Hi everyone, I'm Sophia, and I've been in foster care since I was four years old. And this is my podcast, The Voice of the Abandoned Youth. I started this podcast to spread foster awareness and kids who have gone through neglect or any sort of abuse. This podcast is to embrace those kids' voices. In this episode, we're discussing our old versions from our past with one of my closest friends, Abigail. Hi. My name is Abigail Rutsova. I'm currently a sophomore at UCLA. I'm 19 years old. I was in the foster care system for 11, for 11 years. I entered the system when I was six and I was adopted out of it when I was 17. I lived in about 13 placements and I have countless experiences. In this episode, since Abigail and I are former foster kids and we relate to each other, we're able to connect Abigail and I talk about our past and we both look at each other and say, oh shit, we're completely different from our past. Hi, yeah, so first off, I want to say I think that the topic that you chose today is very, very powerful. I feel as though what people expect to hear from a current or former foster youth's experience or testimony is just a bullet-pointed list of every bad experience that they've gone through. What often goes overlooked is how the foster care experience has affected each youth as an individual and personally. I think it's important for everyone to remember that a foster youth is not a summary of the bad things that have happened to them. They're not a statistic Mm -hmm. that they have gone through each one of those experiences for the first time and they're unique to them. And... I think it's really important to highlight the individual experience and the personal growth. Exactly. But yeah, to go into your question, yeah, (laughs) I definitely have lots and lots of memories of who I was and who I still am, but Mm -hmm. have completely changed from. Um, I can totally (laughs) talk about who, um, yeah, so to start off, I think that it's important to say that the person who we were in the foster care system... Mm -hmm. Um, it's not an accurate reflection of who we are now because the person that you were trying to be and what you were projecting yourself as was a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. and used for protection. We (laughs) were constantly going through experiences that we had to remove ourselves from and become much more mature and make these huge decisions Mm -hmm. and really lacked emotional intelligence and lacked the environment to really go through those things so I mean (laughs) I was very very different when I was younger because of that Um, but I would say you know when I was in elementary and middle school it was more so like physical acts Mm -hmm. where I was I was lying I was bullying I was aggressive I was stealing from my foster parents it was like (laughs) who even was that you know Um, but it definitely developed like towards the end of middle school and more so into high school where it was a lot more emotional um, fronting where I started involving myself in so many extracurriculars I didn't have a sense of self I was constantly putting myself into soccer into clubs into dating really gross men Um, (laughs) relatable relatable um, just to distract myself from like what was really going on. And so 
like thinking back on it, I'm like, I was so cringe. I was so embarrassing. And like, I really have two memories from high school because everything else is blocked out because of how cringe it was. But yeah, like (laughs) constantly distracting myself from the reality of going on around me and like really like I was a person that I to this day do not recognize. (laughs) Yeah, that is completely relatable. Like, I remember when in elementary, I would bully people that I didn't even know. Like, <laughs> hey, you got a weird haircut. Hey, like, your finger is just, like, a weird shape. Like, <laughs> your your head is a, your head is an, a weirdly shaped head. Like, <laughs> why is your head so big? No, we were low-key, like, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> exactly. Like, I remember even punching my sister's nose for not giving oh, me yeah. something. Like, I would hit my sisters. I would... I I remember um, after coming realization that all the things I did to my sisters, I was such a bad sister. Like, people right now tell me, oh, you're such a good sister. You care for them. You're there for them. You protected them from all the years in foster care. Like, bitch. <laughs> I abused them. For like, for like half the time in foster care because I was such... I had so much anger inside of me that my sisters were the only ones I could, like, put that... Um, give that energy back to them because, like, I couldn't do it to my foster parents, yet I still... Um, yeah, I still like talk badly to them and did not respect them um, because of the much pain that they gave me. And I would like put that to my sisters. Like I just, I would just hit them. I would just verbally, verbally abuse them, and it wasn't, it wasn't good. And um, and I just like that was like such a ugly side of me that I never look back at. And um, it's good that we finally realize like we're not in that unsafe environment, we're not in that abusive um, family, in our toxic foster homes where they just like treat treat us like items, like we're just paychecks to them, right? And um, yeah, I think it's important to recognize and also to like look on your past self kindly because all of those things that you're doing, you're manifesting your discomfort Mm -hmm. and like the wrong things in your life through the only way you knew, which you're mimicking like what you grew up with, with that anger, with that violence, with like lying, stealing, cheating, mm-hmm. all of these things. It's the only thing you knew and it's like how your discomfort, you know, manifested. So again, like you're <laughs> not a bad sister then and you're an amazing sister now. So <laughs> Yes, I could finally admit that I'm a great sister now. <laughs> um, they owe me. What lies did you tell yourself to protect yourself from your old reality? Because I remember that I would tell myself completely bullshit to myself to protect me, to make me feel some of comfort. So tell me about the lies that you told yourself to protect you. Yeah, yeah so I think this is a really interesting question and something I really never thought about until you told it to me earlier um so I don't know if what I was telling myself was necessarily lies Mm -hmm. um but I did envision a future for myself and that was really the only thing that kept me going I and I I still believe in this to this day it's obviously changed so much Mm -hmm. and my perspective has but 
I always had this idea of like me making it out of the system and you know I always tried to do good in school and really put myself out there and I had exceedingly high expectations for myself because I, I told myself that I could get out of it and it was really the only thing that kept me going so that I could help other kids that were in my situation and that I could help my brothers. But I realized even though this was the case for me, it's really not the case for many foster kids out there. I like, like was blessed to have that hope, but it's again, it's important to recognize that not every foster kid sees a way out. And I like what you're saying, you had, you told yourself a lot of lies mm-hmm. and that, that's how you coped. So I don't know if you want to talk more about your experience with that. Yeah, of course. I think now that you, um, what you said made me realize it was not really lies. It was more like a way to keep us have hope. And I think like one of the lies I remember I told myself that my mom was coming back. My mom is looking for me. She is trying to find ways to get my sisters and I back. And um, I remember after visits, I would tell myself, she is coming back. She is going to love me again. It, like, oh, anyways, like, oh, she is going to love me again. She is going to find ways to help herself. She's not gonna drink anymore. She's not gonna start doing. Dr- she's gonna stop doing drugs, and she's gonna stop all these things that really put my sisters and I through hell. And um, and but now that I I look back at those memories where I would tell myself those things, I was just a little girl who wanted her mom back, and she was telling herself these things to to make herself feel better, to make her feel that somebody is going to come back who she loves very much because I honestly really loved my mom at that time and um, and I think I still love her in, in a way but it's not to the point where it's hurting me like in, in a spiritual way if that makes sense I, in a spiritual way I told her I still love you, but you're not worth my pain. And um, and yeah, to to discuss more of that realization. When was when was the moment for you that you realized that you're not this person anymore? You're not in this negative environment anymore, and you want to start for a better change for yourself. Yeah. So to add a little bit onto what you're saying. Um, what you said about your mom like I was kind of doing the same thing where I was searching so hard for an answer like why didn't my mom choose me why did she why did she choose my dad why am I in the situation why was I the person who had to go through all of this mm-hmm. like why didn't my mom choose me and I really thought that one day I'd get an answer mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I came to the realization that there is no answer and that I'm going to have to live the rest of my life not knowing why mm-hmm. those things happen to me is really, it, it's, it's a turning point. So, like, that goes very well into this question of, you know, what made you realize? But I think that 
COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I know everyone's so sick of hearing it, but it's it's really true. I mean, so many people had that time to self-reflect because, you know, as I was saying, when I was in high school, I kept bombarding myself with extracurriculars and dating gross guys. Let's go. (laughs) And and all of these other things that, like, I had no idea who I was. My hobbies were, like, just clubs that I joined in high school. And, like, like, my identity was what I want other people, like, I wanted other people to like Mm -hmm. me. I really didn't have, like, anything true to myself. And so when it was COVID and there was no gross guys today I broke up with a guy that I was dating for like a year basically mm-hmm. right when COVID began and um I you know all of my sports stopped and school became way less serious and I had so much time to myself and that's when I realized like who am I mm-hmm. like when there's nothing else around and I'm left to myself like what do I believe in what do I want to do with my life do I want to go to college Am I cut Mm -hmm. out for college? Do I really want to, like, go into helping the system? Do I, like, (laughs) what do I do from this point on? Like, life's continuing. It's not waiting for me. So, Mm -hmm. like, what am I going to do? And that's when I really, I joke with my friends now that I gained consciousness at 17. (laughs) Because before then, I had, I have no recollection of who I was. And so, I would say around 17, especially that, I have to give credit to my current family and my mom Mm -hmm. because they really gave me the room to be myself. I started living with my adoptive family when I was 14 and all of a sudden being in a very stable home with people who are supporting you Mm -hmm. and like no matter what you want to do, like they hated soccer, I played soccer, no matter (laughs) what you want to do, we'll be here for you. Um, And so... I was like finally allowed to gain that emotional intelligence and that emotional security that I had didn't have access to the rest of my life. So I was going through like a revelational crisis. <laughs> and so, yeah, definitely that time to myself um, changed me. And I am in college now. And I mean, they do not lie when they say college is where you find yourself because now I, I do have an identity mm-hmm. and I know exactly, well, not exactly, I mean, there's a lot of crying in college, but (laughs) I have an idea of who I am. Well, thank you, COVID, (laughs) to give us us that time to reflect on ourselves. It hits hard. Um, That's a really amazing um, thing that you said about coming to that realization and giving that your adopted parents gave you that opportunity to be yourselves and discover yourself in a way. Since we talk about our past and old version of ourselves, quote-unquote, um, tell me a little bit of, like, what did you change to those um, negative things about yourself? Because, like, defending yourself all the time is such a such a tiring thing to do. Like, every you feel like everyone is constantly against you and you feel like you're, you're kind of trapped in a way um, and um, just tell me a little bit like what did you change and how did you overcome those toxic negative traits of yourself yeah so I think that with that self-reflection that I had I started to identify certain personality mm-hmm. traits 
that didn't feel like they were mine, they were coming from somewhere else. And like, I mean, foster kids have so much <clears throat> undealt with, unpacked trauma that they don't even know is there until it manifests in the relationships that they have. Yes. And so I used to, I was a self-proclaimed people pleaser. I like, my virtue that I took so much pride in was that mm-hmm. I was just a kind, compassionate person. And I, I do believe I'm a kind, <laughs> compassionate person. But that more so came from me constantly trying to like accommodate myself to other people's mm-hmm. needs. And once I started recognizing that, I was like, I'm going to start dressing this way because I like to dress this way. Yes. And I'm going to start, you know, being friends with this person because I want to be friends with this person. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start speaking this way because that's the way I like to speak and I'm going to read these books and I'm going to play these sports and like realizing like I can be myself for myself mm-hmm. um, and with that you know recognizing so many other traumas you know I'm going into college and making friends and discovering you know people actually like you <laughs> and want to spend time with you and you are worthy and you are loved and especially like in college and going into the dating realm and you have like there is so much to unpack there and you (laughs) you have these issues that you didn't even realize were there until they are brought out Mm -hmm. and you are like forced to tackle them head on and I was talking about this with you earlier you feel like growing up you had so many things to cry about and it's like you had reasons like I was in foster care. My parents didn't love me. But I wasn't really crying about those things. What I'm crying (laughs) about now is like, why don't I love myself? (laughs) And um, so now I'm forced to tackle those emotions head on. And that's, you know, where everything really does come to fruition. Because I get to make those changes in myself and see the results of them um, within my friends, family, less gross boys (laughs) yeah I would definitely love to add what you said about um like this is the time for me now like like we discussed about earlier about how we would cry about these things about our my parents don't love me my foster parents are shitty um I I don't know what to do but now we have like actual things to how do I say at that time, we did have valid reasons of why to cry, but now we're just like, I'm crying for myself now. I'm crying, and it's just as valid. Exactly, I'm crying for myself. Like I'm crying because I'm scared of my future. I'm scared if I'm not gonna get this job. I'm scared that I'm not gonna have any enough listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm scared, and um, and these reasons why we're crying now is because of us is the reason of us not for anybody else we're not crying for someone we're crying for ourselves and you know what Abby Mm -hmm. this is a way to show how much we love ourselves this is like a um like a self-development thing this is like damn I, I I this is I would never cry for myself I would never be worried about me like um, all those external factors and now it's internal factors yeah it would mostly be other people and we're not i don't know we're we're crying for ourselves not for ridiculous foster 
parents, whatever. <laughs> um, now, Abigail, what advice um, for the people who are stuck, for the people who are stuck in their past, for the people who are grudging on their past and are having a difficult moment to move on? And if you are one of those people, you're not alone. Us, us foster kids are still have those traumas that we still carry and have those triggers that still trigger us till this day even though if it happened like five years ago eight years ago it doesn't matter it still triggered us and you're not alone so Abigail um what advice do you give for those people yeah I mean I think you gave it a very good start to even when you think you have it all figured out and someone hearing us, our testimonies right now and like, wow, mm-hmm. they really moved past. It's, it's going to happen your entire life. You're going to continue to have these revelations and these realizations and your trauma is going to manifest in ways that you could have never imagined. And you're going to be put in such weird, unique situations that trigger these past emotions and so on and so forth. So just to remember that it's, it's going to continue happening and you'd have to become comfortable with it and becoming comfortable with that change that you're not going to be the same person that you were when you're six you can be true to your essence and you know be the same person but realizing you are the same person you were but now you look through life with so many different perspectives and so many different opportunities and even maybe even hope if you're at that point and you are who you are throughout all of this and your experiences your experiences do not define you you're not a summary of the labels that other people put on you and to live your life through who you are all those labels fit under you you don't fit under them mm-hmm. and it's up to you to you know apply it in whatever way you want um, and the biggest piece of advice really that I would give is the things that have hurt you in your past and you know your traumas you can completely turn those things around and use those things as your motivation to keep going I feel like lots of foster kids get stuck in a rut where they're like my parents did this like why does it matter if I do that like yeah college like foster kids don't go to college I don't have to go to college these are not like I'm just gonna whatever and obviously like college (laughs) is not mandatory but um, people have these ideas of, you know, what they're going to allow their life to look like because yeah. of the expectations that other people have of them being so low. And I can do drugs. My parents did drugs. And I, like, so what if I, like, fall into, like, teen pregnancy? Mm-hmm. And so what if I, you know, fall into violence and do all of these things? It doesn't really matter. But the same things that hurt you can be your motivation to go on and continue. Um, It was explained to me once, like a hammer, it has two sides. And one side is used for putting the nails in, and one side is used for taking the nails out. And it's up to you to choose which side you want to be. And so you can use those experiences, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. Every, like, all the anger that I felt and all the discomfort that I felt and all of the terrible experiences that happened to me are the same things that are pushing me to go through college and to not be a statistic and to change the lives of the people around me and to change the life of the girl I once was. And 
really that's where I'm at now. I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do that, but as long as I have the motivation and know why I want to, then you know, you're good, you're set. That's a very good message, Abigail. Um, I definitely relate to everything that you said. Um, but just, just know that even though these traumatic experiences happen to you, you're not going to be there forever. And you just need to stay strong. And I know it's very hard to stay strong, but as long as you put yourself out there and as long as you continue thriving and finding ways to help yourself and help your, the people around you, for example, siblings and who people that been through the things that you been through. And that is the end of the episode. Thank you so much, Abigail, for being in my podcast. You've truly been an amazing guest. You're, you're awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I just wanted to say that I really am so, so proud of you. And the, honestly, <laughs> the woman you've become at the young age that you are, just hearing your words, you're starting a podcast, you're taking action, and everything is, is coming into fruition. And I'm, I'm hearing you talk throughout this podcast and throughout our conversation earlier in this day. And I'm like, this girl has wisdom beyond her years. Like, how does she know these things already? Like, why are you, how are you asking me such, like, intricate questions that I've never even thought about before? So I just thank you so much for having me. And I hope that, <laughs> I hope that to anyone that's listening, um, you know, they can, they can do the same thing. This is the voice of the abandoned youth. Thank you again. I'll talk to you guys next weekend. Happy holidays. Please share this video to spread foster youth awareness. You're not alone. You are special. This is the end of the episode. Thank you so much again. I love you so much.